0: All right, coming down in five, four, three, two. Welcome in addicts. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Patrick Allen. I'm joined as always by Matt Verderam. We are AFC Championship fans. Verderam, how are you doing today, man? Good. A lot better than people down in Houston are doing. Yeah, my God. Uh, what a nightmare. Uh, if for Texans fans, if you're not familiar. Deshaun Watson has officially requested a trade from the Texans, which if he leaves the, uh, I don't know, you know, as a Chiefs fan, it could be good or bad, depending on your perspective. If he goes to an AFC contender, not good. Um, You know, if if the place was going to be continued to run terribly, be run terribly, I guess if you're a Chiefs fan and and you don't have any, feelings for Deshaun Watson. You would have liked to have, him to have stayed with the dumpster fire of a team, but Matt, you you actually had a, a little bit of a report on what's going on over there, some insider information. Why don't you uh, clue everybody in on that?
1: Well, I just, you know, last week um, I was in the process of trying to get an article together, calling together, and I just reached out to a, a litany of different sources in the league um, and ended up having a conversation with one source for about an hour and one quote that I shared out on Twitter that's kind of made its rounds um, from, I would term it a well-connected league source, was, quote, the guys I trust, including a guy big in Houston, he wants to kill him, him being Jack Easterby. He goes, quote, this guy is a fucking idiot. He's got the owner's ear and he's going to ruin the whole organization, end quote. And th- that was... um just one quote of many from the conversation, some of which I still are trying to work in this column that I'm, I'm putting together, but um, that kind of summed up our conversation, you know, further in that conversation, wow. I didn't even tweet out, but there was another, I wrote this in stack in the box. There was another instance this off season when Easterby and Cal McNair, the owner of the Texans were working on finding a general manager and they had zeroed in on Casario, despite the fact that, that he was not one of the names brought up by the search firm that they paid six figures to, to find them a new GM. Um, And so essentially they brought in, according to a source, the source I just used for the quote as well. um, They brought in a candidate to interview for the GM job, flew him into Houston, despite the fact that they had already, offered Casario the job, and he had essentially accepted. They flew in this other candidate who didn't know any of that, interviewed the guy, and then afterwards, when he went home, it was like, yeah, by the way, listen, we already knew who we were going to hire, but we just wanted to bring you in anyway. So that has not gone over well in league circles. Um, They are about as mismanaged as you can be. And look, another part of this, from my understanding, talking to people is Watson just feels like, you know, look like what you know. I-, I gave my input; it wasn't used. Which, like, okay, look if you if you didn't agree with you know who I wanted, fine. But at least at least listen to the input and value it. They said they would; they didn't. Kind of they went back on their word. Um, you know, McNair is somebody who I don't know personally, but again, just from talking to people around the league, is a a nice man. But he's he's not involved in the day to day, and so Easterby basically runs the show. It's it's dysfunctional to the hilt and i don't blame deshaun watson for trying to leave
0: if you like this kind of insider information you'll get a little bit of it here of course especially if it pertains to the chiefs but you need to be listening to matt's other podcast stack in the box it's nfl league wide uh, with matt and mark Carmen, who's our video host here fan cited and also be reading matt's column the Stacking in the box column which comes out every monday just lots of a wealth of information that you can get from Matt. If you'd like to know what's going on in the rest of the NFL, that's uh, that's the place to be. So make sure you check that out. If the, Chiefs, if the Chiefs ever mismanaged Patrick Mahomes the way that the Texans are mismanaging this Deshaun Watson thing, I know you've been a Chiefs fan your whole life. If they screwed it up that bad and then traded Mahomes away and say like a year, would you abandon the team? Would you seriously I- consider it? I don't know
1: that I could, but it would be the biggest test I could imagine. Like there's a real shot. I might just go wherever the hell he went as a fan. He's going, you know what? That's fine. I'm done. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to root for this dysfunction. I mean, I'm a Knicks fan in basketball and they've been dysfunctional for (laughs) 20 years, but I I haven't watched the full season of Knicks probably a decade because I'm just so done with it. It's so dysfunctional. Yeah. Look, to have Deshaun Watson and screw it up that bad is almost impossible. And they've managed to do it. And I think look, I, until this morning, I really felt like, nah, You know, they'll, they'll figure it out. I actually shouldn't say this morning. I felt like this last night. When they hired David Cully, who's 65 years old and a first-time head coach. And listen, David Cully is a very nice man by all accounts. He's well-respected. Nobody thought he was going to be a head coach. Nobody. The man is coming off of being the Ravens wide receivers coach. Have you seen the Ravens? He also was the Chiefs wide receivers coach the year. They had no touchdown catches. Like, and that's not, I'm not pinning it all on David Culley. Like the Chiefs didn't have a lot of talent at receiver that year. And the Ravens don't throw the ball. So I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a decent man and a decent coach. What I am saying is there's so many other guys who are 20, 25 years younger, who are so much more qualified. The Texans hired David Culley because they can control him. That's it. That's it. He's 65. He had, there was no way in hell he was going to be a head coach anywhere else. And he's going to be eternally grateful to Easter and Casario because they hired him. And Easter B knows Casario is grateful to him because he gave him a six-year, $36 million contract to be a GM. That's it. That's why they hired him. Straight up. And because nobody else wanted to go there because it's a disaster with Watson.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I, I tweeted this. that if, if I was the Texans, I would have been – the first thing I would have done when all this started going wrong I, I, all I would have been worried about was making Deshaun Watson happy. No I would have. Uh, you, he, you have a chance to win a championship with this guy. No He's that good. And you know, you and I talked about it on the podcast with Eric Biani. It's like it just seems like the perfect fit, no brainer, slam dunk decision to make if you're the Texans going into this offseason. We've got this young, explosive, dynamic quarterback. He can throw it. He can run it. He makes plays. Why don't we go out and get a guy who's been working? With one of the other most dynamic, explosive quarterbacks, young quarterbacks in the league who can make things happen and knows how to win, who's worked with a, a really like you put the kind of if Andy Reid had Deshaun Watson, you know what would be happening, right? Eric Bieniemy's his own man, but like this, this was an easy one. This was easy. Just go hire Eric Bieniemy and bring him, bring him in and watch your offense put up a boatload of points and see if you can get a defense good enough to compete with the Chiefs. Like, I just – it's mind-blowing to me. I don't understand
1: it at all than to say that they're just – they're rudderless and they, they don't know what they're doing. Jack Easterby is a pastor. He's not an NFL mind. Bill Belichick flat-out said it in December in a press conference. Jack Easterby has no more business running a football team than you or I do. Seriously, that's not even an exaggeration. That is a true, flat-out fact. Um we might and, be able to do a better job. Yeah. No, he, it, it's, it's, it's bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. Um, I was talking to somebody else in the league who said, you know, uh, that person has been, that person has been in the league for more than 25 years. I don't know the exact amount of time, but more than 25 years um, and a well-known person in the league. And said, so, look, I know Nick Casario. I have a lot of respect for him. Nick's a good guy. You know, maybe this is a little bit too big of a job for him, but like I, I can understand the thought process. You said, if Jack Easterby, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing the quote, but pretty close. He said, if Jack Easterby walked right in front of my effing face, I'd have no idea who he was. I mean, someone in the wow. league for a quarter century has no idea who Jack Easterby is, and he's running francis. That's not great. Because believe me, like you may think that wouldn't be out of the ordinary. There's 32 teams in this league. And while the media has grown and grown, like everybody in the NFL essentially knows everybody, or at least has heard of everybody. Like, it's not... There have been times, believe this or not, where like me, who I've only been reporting on the league now, like really, truly reporting, source reporting for a couple of years. I've gone up to a general manager and introduced myself. And the person will go, yeah, I know who you are. I read your column on, on what I did a month ago. And, I, and at first, like, I was stunned by that. And then the more you do, the more you realize, like, no, it's really the community is not as big as you would think. And I only use myself as an example because I, I know for me, I was blown away by that. Like I had never met this person face to face. Um, And so, you know, if if somebody doesn't know who Jackie used to be, who has been in the league for 20 plus years, that is a stunning comment to me. That is almost impossible. Um, Last comment I'll make real quick because I do think it's prevalent or excuse me, relevant for the chiefs as well. Doing a, a work on a different couple of stories yesterday and talked to a few different sources, um well-informed sources with the league and one thing i found interesting so free agency starts march 17th that's when the new league year begins uh in 2021 now look anybody who covers the league and is at these events knows the free agency really starts when the combine starts because everybody talks shop at bars and steakhouses and uh the, the, the hotel rooms i mean you name it right wherever you can meet up you talk and if you're there as a reporter, you just see it. I mean, you see agents and, and coaches and players, and, or excuse me, not players, but agents and coaches and personnel. They, they all get together. They have drinks. Invariably, it comes up. That's why when four minutes into free agency, some guy signs an $80 million contract. That's how it happens. That contract didn't come together in four minutes. It came together three months ago over, over drinks and, and you know, dinner. But a couple of people I spoke to, because the combine has been canceled, said that free agency has al- already started effectively that they've gotten – the calls have been being made a lot already in league circles, which is, which is really early. Normally, this is all about the senior bowls, about you know draft prospects and guys meeting – you know the, the front offices meeting rookies. And Maybe there's a little back and forth, but not a lot in terms of free agents. That usually waits for the combine. But now, according to multiple sources I've spoken to, because there's no combine, it's a little bit of the wild, wild west this year. Plus, the cap's expected to go down. So you better get your guy signed as fast as possible because when that money dries up, it's going to really dry up. So I, I think that's just something to you know, keep in mind here. You might see rumors a lot earlier and a lot more prevalent this year than you would have uh, in past seasons.
0: I do love me some NFL rumors. All right, let's take our first break and get it out of the way. And when we come back, we've got a lot of listener reviews because you guys are the best. So we'll see on the other side. All right, we're back. Uh, all right, and we got some listener reviews here as we all get ready for the Super Bowl. Yeah, I got to tell you, Apple, I love Apple Podcasts. Great, reaches a lot of people. Sometimes it takes forever for some of these reviews to come through, like a week after these people submit them, yes, they start popping up. You know? um, but we really appreciate you guys. So we got a good one here. This one came from USAF Chiefs fan. Um, he said, they said, I don't know who they are, um, Settling a discussion. My coworker, Niners fan, poor guy, and I had a discussion on if Patrick Mahomes would be as good without Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. My stance was, yes, that even if they weren't there, Mahomes would still be good. I referred to multiple tight ends and receivers that became somewhat irrelevant after leaving their Hall of Fame quarterback. Jimmy Graham and Decker from the Broncos were my two main ones. The second discussion was how much does Patrick benefit from Andy's scheme? If he were to have been drafted by the Bears or Baltimore, do you think he would still be on his current path or would it be different? Finally, switch Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, who wins? Anyways, great insight. Uh, Listen to you guys on my midnight drive to work. You always make it a little more bearable. Run it back 2021. And then adds Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Apple Cinnamon Cheerios, Way Overlooked, and Basic Four. Don't judge me. Basic Four. Basic Four. I okay, didn't know they still made
1: four, that. you, should be committed, but Apple <laughs> cinnamon churros. I'm with you 100. Right. There's a lot. First of all, thank you for the review. Second yeah. of all, a lot to get to there. I'll start at the last one because it's the most simple. If they switched Allen and Mahomes, who I think would win the game? Well, I'm assuming we're not switching the coaching staffs. Um, that's tough, man. I'd probably take Mahomes in the game. Honestly, I, I just Allen just looked really flustered, and Mahomes experience. But that's a, that's a tough one. That's a good question because. Spagnuolo, and I'm going to talk about this in a little bit, but spegnolo's game plan for that game to me was an all-time um masterclass. But I'll take Mahomes. Um, I just think, yeah, I'll play down by so much. So I, I'd i go there. As far as the other questions, um would he have success in the other places if he went to Chicago or Baltimore? Yeah, would he be as good? No, um, right? Because he's surrounded by Hall of Fame talent. I mean, what? I think there's always this feeling that, like, if you say that, then you're denigrating Mahomes, but that's not true. Do I think Mahomes would be a Hall of Famer if he was in Chicago? Yes. Yes, I do. Do I think he would be on this clip? No. This is when everything comes. Like, okay, Michael Jordan would have been a Hall of Famer if Scottie Pippen never showed up, but would he have won six titles in eight years? No, he probably wouldn't have, right? Like, that doesn't mean Jordan's any less great. I think Jordan's the best player in any sport I've ever seen. But to me, no, he probably wouldn't have. You need, look, when people make those arguments, it's intellectually dishonest because you need. If you're going to be an all-time all-time great, you need great players around you. You know why Brady left New England because they didn't have good players around him anymore. They yeah. weren't winning anything. They couldn't win a playoff game with Tom Brady last year. Now he's got good players around him. Now he's in the Super Bowl again, right? And so, we saw
0: what happened when he got Randy Moss. So you took you took a Hall of Fame player who who managed to win a lot with just guys, right? Yeah. Most of the time, and then he just it had guys. Incredible. And then out of, out of this world.
1: I mean, if you're at work and, you were, and you're, you're you, but you're working with people that aren't good at their jobs and they aren't motivated, your performance isn't going to be as good. Your company's performance isn't going to be as good as if you're with a bunch of people who are great at what they do and they push you and they challenge you to get better every day. And so with Mahomes, I think mean, that's certainly the case. Now, um, I think you would be great though anywhere, but to this level, not looked at. You know, and, and by the way, no, if they got rid of Kelsey and Hill, no, he wouldn't be as good because right. guys wouldn't be as open. He'd be defended differently. Would he still be great? Yeah, he'd still be great. Do so I think they'd still be a playoff team? Yeah, I still think they'd be a playoff team. But would they be a super, would they be 25 and one in his last 26 starts? No. I mean, look how many times, perfect example this past weekend, third quarter of the game, Tyree kill catches, what is it? A five yard slant? Yep. The man, he man ran 71 yards. It was ridiculous. Four bills around, and he just took off, and it was—he's gone, all the way up the field. Now that was a fine throw by Mahomes. Like Hill was open; it was an easy throw. That turned most guys. It's an eight to ten yard completion. With Hill, it's first and goal at the four yard line.
0: Seventy-one yards later, like it's just that That play changes the game. You're right, and that play was so incredible. It reminded me of when you play Madden and you catch the ball and like a guy's coming to tackle you and you hit the turbo button and he just, you're just out of reach, just out of reach, can't get you. And I yeah. always kind of think in some of those situations like this would like in real life the, the you know, NFL players come and he makes this tackle, right? This, that play, I'm, I was watching it and I turned to my wife and I said, it's like, it's literally like a video game that play. He, it looked like he just he ran around people because he was just so fast. I said he's like he's like a human race car on the football field, with like you know just just can turn on a dime and the amount of speed that he can cut with, without slowing down. It's very much like Lamar Jackson when Lamar Jackson gets out there and runs and he just doesn't slow down and he just makes he makes world class NFL athletes look foolish. That's what Tyreek Hill does. So because this is a good time and while we're talking, I
1: I have Twitter open because the Chiefs are doing their press stuff right now and just making sure we're not missing anything major and harry douglas tweets out who's a, who played receiver for 10 years in the nfl most notably with atlanta he's a good player he's tweeting out this video when the chiefs and bucks played each other in week 12 and it was Hill's 75 yard touchdown pass and he obviously correctly is saying like yeah look this is a cover three defense and this this corner has a 10 yard head start on tyree kill and like his only job on this play is not to let anybody get above him like do not let anybody get behind him Hill absolutely torches Carlton Davis on this play. Like, to the point, like, it's almost comical. Like, Carlton Davis is running as fast as he can, full speed, and he, he looks like he's jogging. It's just, it's like, oh, that's fine. Touchdown. And that, see, but that also, to speak to that question, is what puts teams in such a brutal bind with them. is normal. You play cover three, and you're, you're keeping everything in front of you. Like, cover three, for anyone who doesn't know, is just you're playing a free safety in the deep third of the field, and your boundary corners are each responsible for the outside thirds. And the goal is for those three players, nothing gets behind you. And then typically in the cover three, you'll have, cover, you'll, you'll have four guys underneath, three linebackers usually in a safety, who will play zone in that medium range. And so you're trying to make it a hard throw if it's going behind those linebackers. Hill is so damn fast that you can play that. And essentially, though, it is single high safety. You're relying on those corners to get deep. And it's just brutal. Like you, you can't play that coverage against them. They destroy cover one. They destroy cover three. Cover zero, forget it. You'd be out of your mind to do that. That just means man across the board with no help. So you're almost forced into playing cover two and cover four. And the Chiefs know it. So every play they call is designed to go against two high safety. And if they see you in a single high safety, they just audible. It's so Hard to deal with them because they put you in a spot where it's like, okay, well, we know you can only play X amount of coverages. And then they run so much motion that, you know, pre snap, Mahomes knows what he's looking at. Because if a guy runs across the field with, let's just say, Demarcus Robinson, okay, you're in man. If he doesn't, and the corner just widens on the other side, okay, now I know you're in zone. You know how hard that is? Like Mahomes knows that you're playing before you snap the ball and you have Kelsey and Watkins and Robinson and Hardman and Hill. Good luck.
0: Yeah, they're incredible. And when you put it all together, you have what could be a very, very special few years here in, in Kansas City. But Mahomes is always going to be brilliant, no matter who he has. And he's going to help elevate guys. We Look, we've seen Mahomes play without Tyreek Hill. We've seen him play without Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins. He was still able to move the ball. He was still able to win football games, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot harder. You've seen Aaron Rodgers when he doesn't have Devonte Adams and when he does have Devonte Adams. It's a, it's a big difference. All right, let's go on to our next review here. Uh, this one, somebody came in hot with the with the top three candy bars uh, and the top three running backs. So this one came from uh, Eli Redmond. Uh, so now that I figured out how to review, uh, not now that I figured out how to review, they just will not stop. Uh, I just would like to add that I um, that I'm just like verdram as a football fan very high very low emotions on the sleeve for sure my most emotional game was the loss to the titans with mariota's forward progress uh, i get filled i get filled with rage every time i think about that that play um, but anyway wolf anyways on to the rankings candy bars first reese's cups man knows what he's talking about Always. butterfingers and number 3 is snickers um a close tie for three is Reese's fast break. Very underrated. underrated like nobody, ever, say, yeah. nobody ever talks about the fast break, uh, but it's up there with some of the best. I think this is a solid candy bar list. Top three running backs for the Chiefs of all time. Number one, Jamal Charles. Number two, Priest Holmes. Number three, Larry Johnson. Wasn't quite old enough to remember Okoye. I'll tell you what, Larry Johnson, say whatever you want about him as a human being. Uh, w- when he was at his peak, he was at, he was a pretty incredible running back.
1: I have nothing to add to that. I agree with all of it. All of it. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, number one. Jamal Charles, number one. Yep. Uh, I, too, I was born in 88. and I mean, I love history, and I've watched a million of snippets. And And by the way, if you're a fan of Tecmo Super Bowls, I am. Uh, Christian Koi, <laughs> the all-time GOAT. But, yep. yeah, I mean, I'll stick with just – yeah, I, I think that's right. I think that's fair.
0: He said Marcus Allen's up there, too. Marcus Allen was, for me – Right as I was becoming a Chiefs fan, and he was, you know, he had, yep. was, had come from from the Raiders. Uh, it, it's just like every time we got on the goal line with Marcus Allen, you knew we were going to score. I can't remember how many times Marcus Allen one yard touchdown runs we had during that era. I'd love to look that up, but he was incredible. And Priest running the toss behind that offensive line, like in the red zone, you just couldn't stop it. It was such a, it was such a thing of beauty watching him get out there behind Willie Rowe and those boys inject into my veins
1: nothing was as good in terms of running the ball as when they ran like a toss sweep or something it was just willie (laughs) roe and will shields pulling out with like tony richardson out in front It was just like good luck here it comes
0: yeah literally the entire uh the entire uh contents of canton ohio running at you um pretty pretty fantastic okay uh on to the next review plain and simple a really good listen for any cheese fan this one came from j dunk 56 really good commentary good insight good voices maybe i read this one before but we're reading it again uh, uh switched over to this one uh switched over to this one when in the trenches went silent and i'm not disappointed at all keep it up appreciate you there's a lot of good cheese podcasts out there some of our colleagues listen to them all but don't stop listening to ours and listen yep. to ours first uh, <laughs> Uh, next comment from, uh, Cheeto freak, uh, perfect podcast for everything chiefs. I absolutely love listening to the podcast, great humor and discussion on the chiefs, even and their potential and even their potential opponents. There's never a bad episode. Wow, well, that's high praise. Thank you. And even when they're not talking about the chiefs ranking cereal, for instance, it never stops being fun. Keep up the great work. Thank you. That's, that's what we want to do is just have some fun here and talk football, talk some absolutely. other bullshit. um and then the last one new sub i very much enjoy this podcast keep up the great work this is from s-k-u-t-o-v-r uh we'll do so we'll be with you all through the super bowl and all through the offseason um all right you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna grab our last break now and then we'll be done uh on the other side we'll talk a little bit about chiefs bucks super bowl verterham's got some things he wants to go over on the chiefs defense in the afc championship game we'll get into our our actual game preview next week. Uh, and then we'll answer some questions about uh, how we thought the season went. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. All right, Vertorim, um As we start to talk a little bit about cheese bucks and start to think about the Chiefs actually running it back. What did you see in the AFC championship game that you wanted to bring up?
1: Okay. So, Real quick, for it, I just wanted to also echo what you said. Uh, you know, Thank you so much for reviews. We didn't get to all of them because there's just so many that we'd have to spend the entire podcast doing it. But thank you to everyone. Believe me, we read them all. We appreciate them very much. And the more you do it, the uh, more successful the podcast is. So we are very, very grateful. So this week, because there's no, there's no crush of games I've got to get ready for on Sunday or a million other things I've got to write, it was kind of unique. And I got to go back to my roots and watch the all twenty two film. And you know, I always go back with the Chiefs, especially, and I'll rewatch games. And I, I rewatch quite a few games throughout the course of the year just in general. Um, you know, especially as the year goes on, these teams start to separate themselves and contenders and whatnot. But this week was different. I got to sit down for about two, two and a half hours and really dive into the film of the game. And I thought the Chiefs I can't remember a game where I was more impressed with them defensively. Like, there have been games where they, you know, like last year, they, I think they held the Bears to three points and the Broncos to three points, but th- those teams had no offense. This was the most impressive game, start to finish. I've seen them play uh, since the 90s, if you go back, like just schematically. Okay. So they basically stayed in dime almost the entire game. They played a ton of three-corner, three-safety and looks. Obviously, every once in a while they'd vary it, you know, vary it up, but by and large, they were in dime with that kind of personnel package. I can't tell you how hard it is to be in dime and fairly consistently hold your own against running backs when they're running the ball. Like the Bills did that in week six, and the Chiefs ran for 246 on them or 245. Allen ran for 80 plus yards in the game on a lot of scrambles. The Bills couldn't run the ball. And a lot of that was Derek Nottie was a east inside Anthony Hitchens was fantastic flowing to the ball they you know the, the chief safeties specifically Tyron Matthew and, and Dan Sorensen would come up and act as linebackers and the corners I mean Rashad Breeland had a big game in tackling but to me look the, that's all a precursor for the most important and frankly the the thing that I think is going to carry over here in two weeks everybody going into this game or at least the most appeal that I read and listened to, said the Chiefs cannot blitz the Bills in this game. Allen's playing at a different level. They've got all these receivers. Diggs led the league in receiving yards. Allen's been great against the blitz. You know, he's, he's, he kills man, which he did throughout the year. I believe it was 27 touchdowns and four picks. He, and, he, and he's average against zone, 10 touchdowns and six picks, if memory serves right. The Chiefs played some zone, but played more man and blitzed the daylights out of Allen. Sometimes it was sim pressure where it looked like they were going to bring six and they'd only bring four, but they would drop Derek Nottie into coverage and they would bring Dan Sorensen and it would confuse the Bills' line call and the Bills would end up blocking Frank Clark with two or three guys and Dan Sorensen would come right up the middle untouched. Other times, out of the same formation, they'd bring five. They'd bring six. There was one play they brought seven. Like they, They blitzed a lot but they varied their looks so many times pre-snap. I'd be looking at the playing, you know, in the all 22 and go, Oh, okay. They're going to play cover two. And it was cover one right at the snap. One of their safeties would sprint the other way or, or they it looked like cover one and it would become cover two. And they would, they would drop alignment and they would bring a safety. And first of all, to be able to do that and have the ability to communicate that is incredible. That is a hard thing to do. That's the result of being together now for two long years, and knowing all your calls inside now, and, and not having a lot of turnover in the defense. But more than anything, how they played that game was the confidence level that the defensive coaches have in their corners to play man-on-man without a lot of help. Because let me tell you, there was a lot of times in this game where they left Breland, Sneed, Fenton, Ward, any of them. Take your pick. On islands with Stephon Diggs, on islands with Cole Beasley, John Brown, and they didn't give specific help. And they trusted that those corners were going to hold up. And I can't tell you how many snaps. Sometimes, like, over and over and over in a row, the Chiefs, there's nowhere to throw the ball. Nowhere. I don't mean, like, one place. I mean literally nowhere. Like, everybody gets on Josh Allen didn't play well in that game. You go watch the All-22 of that game and tell me where he's supposed to throw the football. There's nowhere to go. They got pressure consistently with four. They got pressure almost every time they blitzed. Even when they didn't on the rare occasion, when they blitzed, they didn't get home. They they covered. Everyone was covered. If the Chiefs play like that again in 10 days, they're winning the Super Bowl. I I don't The Chiefs will win the Super Bowl going away if they cover like that in 10 days. It It was incredible to watch that scheme. And I'll tell you, Juan Thornhill, that was the best game he's played as a Chief. Everywhere. The best. He was everywhere. It showed up on the broadcast. It showed up even more watching it on, on all 22. He looks fully back. Now, don't forget, he's about a year out from tearing his ACL because he tore at the very end of last season. Right. He came back very quickly. They did not play him a ton throughout a lot of the year because he did not look like himself. Well, he looks like himself now. He was flying around. They, they, you know, Le'Jarius Jarius Sneed, who I'm going to have a big, big feature on for Super Bowl week, a lot of insider nuggets on that. Um, he was everywhere. They were putting him at times on, not a lot. Breeland and Ward spent most of the time on digs because they play on the boundary. But there were some times the Bills tried to get him one-on-one with Sneed and did so. Nothing. Didn't have one completion against Sneed. The Chiefs destroyed them. Like it's rare. you look at a game and go 38-24 was a lot closer than the actual game was. 38-24 was a lot closer than that actual game was. The Chiefs were dominant defensively. If they play like that again, they will win the Super Bowl. It was a joy to watch. Um, And the the sticky coverage in that game against a very good offense was absolutely incredible. I don't know that I would have believed it unless I saw it. And I've always liked the Chiefs secondary, but that was the pinnacle uh, for them so far in these two years under Speg
0: Now, and that's awesome analysis, and thank you for, for sharing that with all of us. Now, as somebody who's not a huge film guy myself, here's what I know about that game. I know, uh, I, utmost respect for Stephon Diggs. I think he's a, great, he's a great cornerback, or a great wide receiver. John Brown, hit or miss, right? Um, deep threat. And then, deep threat, yep. And Cole Beasley was playing with a broken leg, toughing it out, going on and off the field. But it sounds like the Chiefs, they played the guys that they that they were lining up against, and they did a terrific job. It seems like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receivers are a whole different ball game than what you're dealing with with Buffalo with Godwin Evans. Sounds like they're going to have Antonio Brown back. Gronk is you know not the Gronk we remember, but we have seen him be a problem for some teams. the The Bills don't have a tight end, right? the The, the, the Bucks have been doing a good job using Cameron Brait. Getting other guys involved. They have a lot of weapons as well. Can the Chiefs do that against these guys on the Bucs?
1: Yeah. And I think they're going to. I think that's exactly how they're going to play him. The Chiefs blitzed Brady nonstop the first time they played. And when they blitzed six or more guys, and Aaron Schatz, you've heard me reference before, he does a great job football outsiders, and he's a good guy. Um, they, when they blitzed six or more guys, Brady was utterly ineffective when they played the first game and Brady this year under pressure is the 30th ranked quarterback in the league. They are going to come after Brady in this game. It's going to happen. I, I would be shocked if Kansas city doesn't just unload with all kinds of looks in this game. Um, the bucks receivers are very good. Evans is terrific. Had a thousand yards again this year, just over, I think a thousand and six Godwin would have gone over a thousand yards. He got hurt. Antonio Brown is on about a thousand yard pace. He only played half the year. He's dealing with a little bit of a knee injury. he will probably play in the game. They have Scotty Miller. They, they have Tyler Johnson. who's a nice young rookie. And the tight ends, Gronkowski and Braid. Okay. And when they played each other in week 12, Gronkowski had the best game of his of his season. He went over a hundred yards. Evans had a nice game with a couple of touchdowns. Godwin had a good game, but it didn't matter. They only scored 24 points, largely because the Chiefs picked Brady off twice. Um, The difference is, Thornhill now is playing at a level that he was not playing at at that point. Okay, um, that's a big deal. I can't overstate because the Chiefs will play him as a single high safety now, with no with no worries um, about about doing so. So then you have Sneed, who's now really come into his own on the inside. I, I think I think that really matters. I I think, you know, when he came, he was just coming back off of the broken collarbone, uh, for that game. If you go back and look, and I just pulled them up. So the, the snap chart for that game, the snap counts for that first week, that week 12 game, Snead only played in 54% of the snaps. He is going to play a lot more in this game. Juan Thornhill, 69%. Again, you'll see him a lot more in this game. I'd be shocked if you don't, um, You're going to see a lot of, I think, dime, three safety, three corner looks, just like you saw against Buffalo. Um, I I would be very, very surprised if that's not the case. Now, look, you never know. We'll see. But to me, this game, you're going to trust Rashad Breeland, who's big and physical, to take on Mike Evans. You're going to tell Shad Breeland, I don't care if you get a holding penalty, beat him up at the line of scrimmage, grab him, push him, pull him, whatever. And Breeland will do that. He'll take a penalty or two, but he's very physical. We saw him slam Stefan Dig to, to the ground in the AFC title game. Now, I don't know if they needed to do that. Okay, that's probably a personal foul you could avoid. Although I would also argue I don't know if it was even a penalty. But you know he's physical. I think you're going to see a lot of Charvarius Ward one on one on the outside with Chris Godwin. Antonio Brown. And then whoever slides into the slot is getting what Le- Le- Jerry Sneed one-on-one and they're going to bring Matthew down to the box as a robber. They're going to, they're going to just go after Brady and they're going to say, fine, here it comes. And I think you play that way. I really do. I think if you're the chief. You just, your whole mission in that game is to hit Brady and make him as uncomfortable as possible. And if you do that, I think they will be just fine.
0: I saw you talking with somebody on Twitter. I can't remember who it was today. Uh, and they were making the point that the Chiefs in the last game, even though they got up big early, didn't really change their defense throughout the course of the game. And the Bucs crawled back into it. Whereas I think a lot of Chiefs fans listening to this probably thought, oh, well, the Chiefs got out to an early lead. They were playing more zone coverage and you know backing off. And that's why the, the Bucs were able to get back into it. Can you explain that to everybody? And like, should, should Chiefs fans be worried that like Brady or the Bucs figured out what they were doing?
1: Well, I I think a few things happened. So the Chiefs started taking penalties late in the game. On one drive, they took back-to-back, roughing the passers. Um, The One of the touchdowns, it was 27-10. to Brady threw to Evans. It was a fourth and three. The Chiefs blew the coverage. Um, Ward gave up a touchdown to Evans. They were supposed to have help outside, and the safety didn't get over quick enough. It was Armani Watts on the play. Um, Now, look, that said, the Bucs picked it up a little bit, and and Brady – threw the ball a little better in the fourth quarter. They got back into the game. And by the way, I was talking to Aaron Schatz, who I just referenced. So um, got to know him a bit at the Super Bowl last year. and just a really, really smart dude. Um, you know, and, and for record, just to kind of throw it out there, um, you know, I, I think I think you're going to see the Buccaneers aren't stupid. I mean, Brady's been in the league for 20-some-odd years, and, and Arians is an excellent offensive mind. The, the, the conundrum Tampa finds itself in in this game is they're going to have to get rid of the ball, I think, pretty quickly. Uh, I, because I just Kansas is going to force that. Uh, I, the Chiefs are going to come after them with everything they've got. And the Chiefs are going to do that while playing press. And so you've got to get off the line really quickly. Otherwise, you're going to disrupt the timing of it. Now, the downside is for the Chiefs, if you miss the, the jam, you could get beat for a big play. That's the downside of it. The upside of it is you can really, really make the offense look disjointed and you can get some three and outs. You can get them off the field really quick, maybe get a turnover. And I think with the Chiefs offense, it's worth that bet. I would take the bet that you may get me for one or two big plays, but I don't care because I'm going to get you more often. Um, but it's always a cat and mouse game. The one thing that's going to be interesting to me is look, the Buccaneers use motion. I don't know if it's the fewest. I, I haven't seen a percentage, but. The Buccaneers do not use a lot of motion at all in their offense. They don't. And when you don't use any motion, it makes it easy for for any team, let alone the Chiefs, to disguise their pre-snap coverages. Are the Buccaneers going to use more motion in this game? My guess is no, because typically if you don't do it throughout the year, you don't do it. Um, I I find it very interesting. But I do think in this game, look, if you're Tampa, you're going to have to get the ball a little quicker than you normally would, or you're going to have to keep your tight ends in. Um, how does that work in this game? That's part of the cat and mouse game, but I I think it's going to be very imperative for Brady to get the ball out. And if the chiefs can get jams on those receivers and they can stay with them for a second and a half, two seconds, it makes it very, very hard to do that. Kansas City's defense to me going into this game is the most overlooked unit. Everybody's talking about the Chiefs offense. Everybody's talking about the, the Tampa defense. Everybody's talking about Tampa Bay's offensive skill position players and Brady. Nobody's talking about the Chiefs who went out and destroyed Buffalo. And by the way, the last month, month and a half of the year has played very good football. So just something to keep in mind.
0: Chiefs probably will give up a big play or two in the Super Bowl. But based on what I saw watching the Bucs play against the Packers, I don't want to say the Bucs got lucky in that game because they won the football game, and that's a very good Packers football team. But they had a couple of plays where they got lucky, where Brady just heaved the ball up in the air and prayed one of those big boys would come down with it. And a few times they did. Um, and in a game like this, the Chiefs defense, the safeties in particular with Matthew and Thornhill, that's going to be really interesting to watch because if, if they're getting pressure and Brady's tossing up a few balls like that, one of those guys is going to have a chance to make a really big play for the team. And, and the Packer, to be fair, the Packers made a couple of those big plays, too. A few of those that he heaved up didn't work out. And unfortunately, towards the end of the game, the Packers just couldn't capitalize and go down the field and score. But Brady basically punted the ball a couple of times in key situations. Instead of just taking some, taking some yards, it's going to be a fascinating game. We'll we'll really break it down next week in 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 painstaking detail. But it does sound like everybody's going to get their players back. It Doesn't sound like the Chiefs are going to we're going to see Mitchell Schwartz again. But uh, it sounds like uh, Watkins and and Le'Veon Bell have been dealing with injuries. They'll be back. Antonio Brown will be back. Um, I want to ask you as we uh, we'll we'll be done with this portion of the podcast in a second. But just one thing: How worried are you? about the loss of Eric Fisher and the Chiefs offensive line in general.
1: Worried, because I think that's the only way the Buccaneers win the game. I really do. Like I think the only way they win the game is just four-man pressure all game. And I've heard people say, well, this is just like when they played the Niners last year. I will say this. I actually did a dive on this. I might, I might even write an article at, this, at some point. But I, did an, I did a dive on this during work yesterday, um, I promise, uh, for the – Powers to be a fan side, it was uh it was work related. Um that the Niners last year were every bit as good at getting pressure and they had the same amount of sacks as Tampa um from last year to this year, 48. The Niners did it blitzing 29th most in the league. Tampa blitzed the fourth most. So, yes. The pressure rate and the sacks are similar, but the way it happened is not. The Niners did that with a four-man rush all the time. The Buccaneers rarely did it with a four-man rush. Now, with Fisher being out, am I concerned more? Yeah, I am. Okay, that's a problem. He was their best lineman. He is now gone. But I'll tell you what, and I went back and watched it. I got a half to go. I, I was watching it last night. I have to finish the other half. I watched Andrew Wiley again against Cam Jordan in the Saints. Andrew Wiley, at least in the first half, and again, I got to watch the second half, was very good in that game. It was not a problem. Now, is that to say that it can't be a problem in the Super Bowl? No. It's a different matchup, different guy. You know, that might be an issue. But I do think having two weeks to prepare matters. And I think, look, ultimately, the Chiefs are smart. Andy Reid knows what he's doing. Ben knows what he's doing. They're going to get the ball out. They're going to move guys around. They'll use a moving pocket. I'm not like, terribly concerned, but I am worried because I do think that is the one way the Bucs win the game. Is just knocking Mahomes around, giving him no time, because I'll tell you right now, the Chiefs are not running the ball on the on the Bucs. They're not. The Bucks are the best run defense in the league, but I don't think the Chiefs care. However, if you know you're constantly able to tee off, so if I'm the Chiefs in this game, and Andy Reid, God knows, will know more about football than I could in 300 years, I'd use a lot of you know, jet sweep type action. I'd use a ton of that orbit motion they do. You know, where, where Hill comes flying into the backfield and then he circles out of it. I. I would do that kind of stuff because even if you if you run the bottom of it, fine. But if you don't, it still slows the defense down. There's that split second of indecision like what are they where's the ball? What are they doing? That is everything in the NFL. That is everything. That split second gives that tackle one extra little half second to get out into his stance. Um I do worry about it. I'm not crazy concerned about it. I'd be far more worried if it happened like the second play of the game. And then you had no preparation for it, and everything's out of sync. The fact that it happened at the end of the game as awful. As I feel for Eric Fisher, and by the way, I think it might be the last time Eric see, we see Eric Fisher in a Chiefs uniform. Um, I don't think it's. I think it helped them that it happened at the end of the game last week, and not not you know late in practice this week or in the game. Um, but Tampa is going to have to beat them with pressure. The Chiefs know it, and I think look if the Chiefs if the Chiefs do not get beaten by the pressure up front, they will win this game. I know we're previewing it hardcore next week, but that's, I mean, that's just what it is. The Bucks have to get home. They got to get home before, and they got to do it all game long.
0: I'll throw in one other thing. We've talked on this podcast about how important Sammy Watkins is to this offense and how it kind of changes the offense when he's on the field. Yep. Something nobody, I never hear anybody talk about this when it comes to Sammy Watkins, his blocking. He is, he's 6'1", 2'11", And he does a tremendous job out there blocking for the chiefs. Some of those screens that Kansas city likes to run those end around those sweeps, having Sammy Watkins back is a huge plus for Kansas city. I always see him out there working even when he's not in the play and and, and look, to be fair, all of the chiefs do that, but Sammy Watkins in particular, at least from my view seems particularly effective in that area.
1: Yeah. Look Watkins, Watkins is really impactful in this sense. Some people might sit out there and go, come on, guys, what are you talking about? This scored 38 points in the NCAA title game without Sammy Watkins. It's a really good Bills team, and that's true. You know what else is true? The third leading receiver behind Hill and Kelsey in that game had 22 yards. They had to do it almost exclusively throwing to Hill and Kelsey. Now, they're so ridiculous that they could still do it. But Watkins is the guy that, when other teams say, okay, we are doubling Hill and we're bracketing. We're doing whatever it takes to get them out of the game. Walk and say whatever you want about him. He's a better receiver at this point than Hardman and Robinson. He just is. He's more polished. He can get himself open. He's a much better route runner. Having him against a third corner is a big deal because he's going to get open all the time. And it becomes that much harder to deal with them. It becomes that much harder to shut them down. You're right with the blocking. He's an excellent blocker. Uh, He's been, practicing so far this week i would imagine that he plays i know he practiced all last week and didn't play look it's a super bowl it's now or never know, I mean, let's be real and he knows he's about to hit free agency you have a big super bowl you get paid more so i would be very surprised barnes kind of setback if he's not playing this game um but it's 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 a look it's a, it's a huge opportunity it is a huge huge opportunity for the chiefs Yes, they're Super Bowl champions. Yes, they're back to back AFC champions. Don't get me wrong. They're never going to be forgotten, especially with all the characters they have in the team and Mahomes. Like they're etched into football history forever. If they win this game next Sunday, they become only the ninth team to ever back to back Super Bowls. And next year we'd we'll have a chance to go for a three peat which no team has ever done in Super Bowl in, in the Super Bowl era. They are if they win this game, they are an all time historic team. Top ten, I mean, yep. they you know it may, maybe even maybe even like top five, top six. I mean, they they jump into that pantheon with the '90s Cowboys, those teams that won in '92 and '93, and they they jump in with the the Packers of the '60s and the Pats in the early aughts and and the Steelers of the '70s and the Niners of the '80s. Like those are all teams that won back to back. If the Chiefs win back to back, I mean, that is you are forever judged differently. You're looked at differently so hey all hands on deck it's it's not only a championship game it's a legacy game
0: it really is it's a legacy game it's a legacy game for a lot of people uh, andy Reid, who already hasn't he's gonna walk into canton um yep. <laughs> this is this takes him up to if andy reed wins this game i i think right now if you think okay who are the best coaches of all time right like Andy's up there, but you're, you know, you're going to be talking about Lombardi and Belichick and Landry, right? Like if Andy wins this game, I feel like he elevates now into that discussion with those, with those names of just absolutely bar none, the best head coaches in the history of the sport.
1: Yes. And he, he does vault into that, by the way, um, as the chiefs are talking while we're doing this, um, this is something that I just found funny. Mahomes is at the podium right now, and he was asked about social media and seeing comments about the Chiefs and if they're playing board. And he said, quote, I don't feel disrespected, but I guess we weren't winning by enough. That's a stat now. So we wanted to show everyone we can do it. Um, and yep. Chris Jones says he takes everything personally. He
0: reads everything on Twitter. So I'll take that for his work. <laughs> I might have uh, to start trashing Chris Jones. Just to- I was
1: going to say, everybody's, Yeah, yeah. everybody's Chris Jones apparently – He's, uh, he's looking for motivation, just in case anyone's looking uh, for something to do on the afternoon. But, no, listen, it's, it's definitely really, really interesting. Um, this is, I mean, as Chief fans, let's face it, we've never been in this spot, right? Like, this is an all-time game. And, for, and, and you better believe it's an all-time game for Mahomes, too. The, he's playing Brady, who's the only quarterback to beat him in a playoff game. Brady is the unquestioned greatest of all time. He has six rings. If Mahomes wins this game, okay, he's still behind Brady and all that, but now he's beating him in the Super Bowl and he's to two rings. And all of a sudden you start, okay, well, Brady repeated once. Well, now now so is Mahomes. Well, Brady won two Super Bowls and his first three years of being started. Well, so is Mahomes. All of a sudden you start looking at this thing and going, okay, I mean, Mahomes at 25 years old is really on track here to make a real push. And if it ever ends up where it's tied, well, Brady lost to him. So if you think that's lost on Mahomes, you're out of your mind. This stuff, like these guys know this stuff, you know, like for Mahomes and Kelsey and Reed. Yeah. Look, they're all going to end up in the hall of fame first ballot one day, but you know, for Mahomes is weird. as It's say it's more than a hall of fame for him. He is that great of a player that like, it is about being the best ever with him. And by the way, we're getting to that territory with Kelsey. Yep. Like Kelsey, you're starting to look at him and Go, he. I mean, he might be the best ever at his position. Now it's judged differently for tight ends, of course, than it is for quarterbacks. But having a couple of rings doesn't hurt. Being the driving force doesn't hurt. You're starting to look at guys like Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew and Tyree Kill, who every time they win a Super Bowl and they perform on that stage, they're that much closer to being a Hall of Famer. It matters. It matters a lot to all these guys.
0: And, and if not for D, poor D Ford, if not for D Ford, I mean, we could be having a totally different discussion right now. Um, this team is absolutely incredible. And we all know this, and we, we could keep saying it over and over again, but really just make sure you take time over the next week to just sit back and think about the fact that they've lost one, one game they were trying to win since last November. Right? I mean, like, and I'm not talking about November 2020. I'm talking about November 2019. Um, And and they're mostly all going to be back next year. And win or lose the Super Bowl, they're going to be motivated. Because if you win, you have the chance to do something nobody's ever done before. And if you lose, you're pissed off about losing the Super Bowl. So you want to come back. And this team is a special group of motivated people. They're all different. They've all had different journeys to get here from, from Kelsey and the things that he's gone through to Tyron Matthew and the things that he's gone through to Chris Jones, who was like not supposed to be Chris Jones, but became Chris Jones um, to Mahomes, who came out of Texas tech, who was a system air raid quarterback. You got some guys with some chips on their shoulder, Frank Clark. I mean, if you've seen an interview with Frank Clark and how he acts during games and the things that are coming out of his mouth, I mean, it's, it, it, that's one of the reasons why this team is in the position that it's in. Um, it's incredible.
1: You, you said it. I mean, free agents-wise, like I got to it up. They have some free agents, but none of which that you're like, oh, if they lost them, they wouldn't compete anymore. I mean, they, look, Watkins is a big one. Dan Sorensen, Breland, Demarcus Robinson, Damian Wilson, uh, Austin Ryder, Tano Passion, Mike Remmers, Anthony Sherman, Mike Pinnell, uh, Alex Oakfour. I mean, those are are the free agents. Now, look, a lot of those guys are not going to be back because they can't afford to keep all these guys. I mean, that's what happens when you're paying a fortune to all these other players. That's okay. The Chiefs are fine with that. Although I will say this, with the cap being suppressed this year, I would not be shocked if you see some of these guys come back on deals that are not huge. Like, I'll put it this way. If the Chiefs want to retain Daniel Sorensen, they will. If they want to retain Davian Wilson, they will if they want to retain Mike Remmers or Anthony Sherman or Tano Passion or Mike, Pino, they will, they will. The guys who I don't know that they can afford them. Sammy Watkins is a weird guy. Cause like, he's a very good player when he's healthy and he's got the name value, but like he's hurt all the time, but at the same point, he's only 28 years old. So like, does he get a big contract elsewhere? If he doesn't, like, could I see the chiefs going? Yeah, we'll give you two years and 10 million. It's possible. Kind of depends on his market. The guy, though, I think is the most interesting one is Breland. Now, I tend to think he's probably gone. But we, to be fair, like everybody, including the Chiefs, in a lot of ways, thought he was going to be gone after last year, and they brought him back for for nothing on a one-year, three million-dollar contract. So, who knows, right? Like stuff happens. It's just weird in this business, but we shall see. Uh, but you know, look, he's 29. Uh, well, it'll be 29 in two days. He's a he's a very, very good player. Um it will it'll be interesting. But the Chiefs now with Snead and with Ward and with Fenton, maybe they feel you know, and they have the Andre Baker if he can recover from that that nasty leg injury. You know, we'll see what happens. But look, they're they're certainly going to be the favorite next year. There's no doubt. In fact, they're already the odds are already up next year. They're a massive favorite over everybody else. I mean, they just they will be. Even if they lost all those guys, they're, they'll replace, you know, some of them with draft picks and some lower free agents, and they won't lose all those guys. Yeah. No, they are. You're right. You're right, Patrick. They'll be motivated one way or the other, either to avenge a Super Bowl defeat, which hopefully that's not the case, or to be the first team ever to win three straight. And I got to tell you, I get it. We got a whole offseason ahead of us. You look around the AFC, who's beating them? I mean, really, the biggest thing with the Chiefs is just be healthy because Good luck. I mean, they won the division by Thanksgiving, and I I don't see that changing a whole hell of a lot, you know. So you know, they're in a great spot;
0: they really are. Yeah, and and look, we we say it all the time: don't take this for granted. Because while the Never. AFC landscape right now seems to be all Chiefs, you know, if you're paying attention to what's going on, you got Justin Herbert right there in the division, looking great. Um, you got Joe Burrow; he's in Cincinnati right now. Well, at least for now, Deshaun Watson is in the AFC. Guess, guess what? The uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars aren't going to be taking a defensive lineman with the first pick overall. Trevor Lawrence is coming to the AFC. Now, we don't know if these guys are going to pan out. They, you know, Herbert looked good. Burrow looked good. Lawrence looks like he should be a good quarterback. Watson's obviously terrific. You got you know, even Baker Mayfield and the Browns are winning. So, you know, things could change quick. Like, there's, it's a new era of quarterbacks coming into the league, very exciting young quarterbacks. Some of these guys are going to be potential you know, big time quarterbacks for their team. So this is a great time for the, for the chiefs to strike. Mahomes is here. He's established. Breeze is gone. Brady's going to be gone soon. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers could end up in the, in the AFC, the way (laughs) things are going over in green Bay, you know, you never know. Um, So just, just enjoy this, enjoy this run. And for the chiefs, win as many Super Bowls as you can because there's no guarantee. Look at Russell Wilson. I'm sure there were a lot of Seahawks podcasts out there having the same conversation we're having right now when the Seahawks went back to the Super Bowl and they were like, Man, I'll tell you what, we got Russ, let Russ cook. We're gonna win all these Super Bowls, legacies, so on and so forth. Welp, one bad goal line call and it, see ya.
1: You never know if you're gonna get back. Ever. Like, you know how many teams thought to themselves after they went to the Super Bowl, yeah, you know, we're just we're done now. None of them. Like that, it just you don't know. You don't know, but what you do know is there's 60 minutes right now from winning back-to-back championships. That's it. That is a hard thing to do. I, I'll leave it at this. I don't think people realize, because maybe they just don't think about it that much, and maybe some do. Maybe I'm undervaluing people, um, how hard what the Chiefs have done already is to win one Super Bowl and then to come back and just have a complete tour de force the following year and just destroy everybody in their path. I mean, Kansas City, for all this crap about how they won these games close, they were 14-1 and with their starters. They won all their road games. They went into the playoffs. They were well on their way to killing Cleveland before they had to yank Mahomes out with an injury and then just destroyed the Bills. That game wasn't even a game. I mean, in Buffalo, it was a hail mary away from going fourteen and two, and everybody and their mother thought the Bills were coming in there with momentum. And Kansas City utterly humiliated them. And I'll tell you what: to me, the thing that is the most impressive with the Chiefs so far this season is that Cleveland game. Like they were, they were reeling somewhat defensively. They gave up two touchdowns in the second half. They missed that easy field goal. Henny throws a pick. They don't have Mahomes. They don't have 80,000 people at Arrowhead screaming and giving them encouragement. I mean, it's a, it's a far reduced crowd because of COVID. A lot of teams emotionally would have just packed it up and said, you know what, guys? We're, we don't have Mahomes. We don't have an answer. We had a great run. I mean, I know that sounds over dramatic, but it's the truth. Like, a lot of teams would have just emotionally just packed it in. And they never did that. They got to stop when they needed it. And Henny made... A couple of huge plays and they needed them most. Like if they win the Super Bowl, Chad Henney deserves that ring as much as anybody. And that's kind of the point, right? Like he's probably the most forgotten man on the team, week in and week out, right? Like who cares who Mahomes' backup is? But when they needed it the most, he came through the most. And I, I think that speaks to why this team is what they are and how dominant they've been 25 and one in Mahomes' last 26 starts. It's, it's un. It's not only uncommon. It's almost impossible in a league that demands parity, and yet here we are. Sixty minutes, next Sunday, they outplay Tampa and they win. They're back-to-back Super Bowl champions and they're favorites, and they ought to be.
0: I got chills just listening to that. And God, God help my uh, bank account if they win again, because I, I, I sure went to town on the memorabilia front and uh. Look, I'm going to do it again. I'm just going to put that right out there. My wife better get ready. So I might have to sell the car. Um, (laughs) All right, everybody. We're going to get out of here. We will be back next week. We'll get you ready for the Super Bowl. Maybe we'll get some special guests. I don't know. I don't really have a plan, but uh, we'll figure something out. Don't worry. We're here for you. If you like what you heard, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, and maybe you'll hear your question answered at the top of this podcast next week. And uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter. I'm at at RPatrickAllen. Matt is at at MattVertoram. Follow at MattConnorAA. He's the lead expert at Arrowhead Act, And, of course, follow at Arrowhead Addict for all your news and updates on the Kansas City Chiefs. Make sure you listen to the Stacking the Box podcast. Read the Stacking the Box column on Mondays. Matt's got it all for you over at fansided.com. For Matt Vertoram, my name is Patrick Allen. As Matt said, the Chiefs are 60 minutes away. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Chiefs